This is Berkeley Talks, a Berkeley News podcast from the Office of Communications and Public Affairs that features lectures and conversations at UC Berkeley. You can follow Berkeley Talks wherever you listen to your podcasts. New episodes come out every other Friday. Also, we have another podcast, Berkeley Voices, that shares stories of people at UC Berkeley and the work that they do on and off campus. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the year's last lunch bones. Uh, it's amazingly, it's flown past. Thank you all for making. Um, and we hope to preemptively see you in the fall again. Um, but you know, it's your participation, your attendance has made it a remarkable season. Um, thank you for your forbearance and being here and supporting us. We're very lucky today to welcome Ishan Hutchinson uh, to close us out. Before we uh, get going, I'll ask you to silence your cell phones, if they're not. Um, And I want to extend our thanks, as always, to the Berkeley Library, whose support makes this all possible, uh, especially Amber and our student workers, to Callie from Pegasus Books, who has Ishan's most recent collection for sale over there. also, thank you, Callie. Support the poets, support the bookstore. Um, and to Poets and Writers, who is uh, in part co-sponsoring this event today. For me, to read Ishan Hutchinson's poems is to wander through a text whose intricacies may at first elude me, to snag on an edge of beauty, to read again. It is to let my ear be guided by the rise and fall of meters, before the eye catches up, and so to hear the formal dignity of sense made before I am able to quite parse the syntax. Hearing the poems aloud, I seem to enter as an active participant into the sensory welter of Jamaican place, the pain of serious thought, and the shattered forest of elegy. What Hutchinson has said of Milton, Milton's restless, serious grammar, applies beautifully to his own verse. Hutchinson wrote, instead of finding yourself outside, you find yourself within the language in a rousing wave that riles and delivers on a layered plateau. You're never safely one place or the other. When he speaks about being between places, I hear an echo of what I understand to be Hutchinson's own position. A quote such as this helps me see the instability that backdrops the masterful solidity of Hutchinson's formal music. Both that flux and solidity come through in the title poem of his forthcoming collection, The Mariner's Progress, which stages a journey through the alien grandeur of the English tradition, a journey as charmed and surreal as the ancient mariners to which it alludes. In the poem, bladed lines of Jamaican sugarcane blur into the lines of poetry that define the speaker so entirely that he, quote, seems to himself a broad Antillean echo lost in the marrow wings of a pelican or an albatross cloud remnant tasseled low flyer beneath the radar of the wind. I hear how the anxiety in echo or remnant, how the bird seen morphs into the literary bird, the albatross, Um, and yet how the speaker's sheer eloquence keeps at once dispelling these concerns, even as each new word remembers other speech, 
It may be that in poetry we can, unlike in life, choose to a degree our ancestors. If so, Hutchinson carries forward voices from Homer to Homeros that sing of underworld descents, forsaken armies, homeless mariners. Commanding that deracinated tradition so powerfully, he makes of its weightless materials a sturdy home. But one can't live only among shadows. The opposite. I find Hutchinson's work so powerful because of the webs of literary reference which lead the poems abroad are balanced by the deep gravity of the home one can't choose or make, the Jamaican lives and landscape that are his recurrent subjects. And it seems to me that the gap between these culturally disenfranchised subjects and the high style Hutchinson so often elevates them into is the source of much of his poetry's pathos. I hear this in the title, for instance, of House of Lords and Commons, not Houses of Lords and Commons, a singular, which collapses the two distinct hierarchies, Lords, Commons, into one. It doesn't refuse the binary, it doesn't deny that Lords and Commons, but rather erasing a single letter, twists the language to bring the two terms into close, destabilizing proximity. In Hutchinson's hands, the spirit of inclusion and the ennoblement that comes from intoning common lives in the language of lords is a twilight gesture. This book is a work of almost universal elegy, and its acts of naming are also acts of interment. Fitzy, J. Maxwell, Barrelmouth, Aunt May, Pierre Powell, Principal William, Miss Rose, Pete, Mr. Kildeer, Le Leopold Dice, Isabel Garcia, Sweet May. Sometimes we know these people's life stories, but more often we don't. Just as sometimes Hutchinson's winding syntax guides us and sometimes evades. In both cases, the linguistic sharpness and the tonal tenderness reassure us even when we can't follow, and we recognize at the border of sound and sense what we can know and what we don't need to. We mourn these people even as we respect their privacy, their right to opacity. Ishan Hutchinson is the author of four books of poetry and a forthcoming <laughs> book of prose, um, all from FSG and Faber. He is the recipient of the Brodsky Rome Prize, of the Wyndham Campbell Award, and the National Books Critics Circle Award. Forthcoming most soonest, um, our School of Instruction this fall, Fugitive Twil Tilts the year after, a book of prose, and Mariner's Progress, 25, I believe. An honor to welcome Ishan Hutchinson. Good, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Um, thank you, Noah. It's actually weird to say good afternoon. It's to, you know, I, now I see it. You do come to a lunch poem, to, to, to be here at lunchtime to listen to poems. It's, yeah, you have to see it to believe it. Thank you for, uh, for that very generous um, introduction, Noah. Um, I was 
uh, listening and sinking more and more into my sofa chair because it sounds like a very grave and serious young man. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to recognize him. Um, but I believe uh, it is certainly the case that I um, take this uh, voyage into poetry very seriously um, and take none of it for granted uh, because of the weight of history, uh, both growing up in Jamaica and knowing the violent history uh, that uh, comes with that, but also the violence, too, of canon um, and seeing that my work as a poet, in part, is um, is to figure out what sort of emancipatory forces I should uh, summon. Um, luckily, I, I stand on great shoulders um, within the Caribbean tradition of many poets and writers that I admire and envy and wish they hadn't been born. <laughs> Don't tell them that. This isn't recorded, of course. Um, I will read the title poem of, of the collection, um, The House of Lords in Common. And uh, the poem is titled, The Lords and Commons of Summer. I should tell you that um, I, I, the summer here should be a pun on Sumer, um, the Babylonian city and civilization. When I told a friend of mine that that that's where you know that's what I was thinking about, he outright laughed at me, and um, and we're no longer friends. <laughs> I, 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 it's I thought it was such a nice play on word. Um, summer, summer. I circled half mad, a dead azalea scent that framed my room. I licked anointed oil off a sardine tin, opened bean and thyme, perplexed myself, then picked up and blew a clay bird whistle. Silence came scratching the same way it did at the funeral of Heidegger when no silence came. When my boy self played seance in the Spanish needles, havocing the bees, their bronze staining my shanks, rain pistols sprung out of the earth and buried glass splinters under my clothesline. Vivaldi and tangerine below the early winter moon minting its double over the city axle down in the buried sea's lilac silver trimming my windows wick with the fierce, fast, and low rustle of lions out of a russeted ice flow. A furnace in my father's voice. I prayed for the coal stove's roses. A cruise ship lit like a castle on fire in the harbor we never walked. Father and son, father Drifting down the ferned hell is shanty shun. Where, inside, in my head, the lamp was the lamp. The market, the park, 
the library, not a soul but grandmother's morning wash lifting towards heaven, her flapping winding sheets. The barrister's son punished my sister. I stared at my hand in a book. The horizon declined in my mouth. A hawk's scream tied all the hills together. My little earth shaker, visored in placenta, wonder of wonders, tremulous in aminotic shield, ensouled already, father in the veritable night, without house or harbor, soon sea in a voice will harrow, a scorpion's blaze in me to the marrow. At nights, birds hammered my unborn child's heart, each strike bringing bones and spine to glow. Her lungs pestled loud as the sea I was raised, a sea anomaly. Among women who cursed their hearts out, soured themselves, never brides, into veranda shades. Talcum and tea moistened their quivering jaws, prophetic without prophecy. Anvil black, gleaming garlic nubs, the pageant arrived with sails unfurled from colches, and I rejoiced like a broken asylum to see burning sand grains, skittering ice, shekels clapped in my chest. I smashed my head against a light bulb and light sprinkled my hair. I rejoiced, a poetry hit by the sun in the room, a man, a man. The sky is loaded with ore. The mountains, the mountains are lingering on the threshold, luminous with the valley's pollution. A late transport shimmers, and I shimmer too. This is one of the holy cities of America. Holy banks, mortuaries, holy cafes, a golden angel descends in the middle of three javelin spires. Then I see, poised, rife-like, in the snow, on the sifted avenue, muscles released from chiaroscuro. A herd of darkness gathers the passage, passage onto Shiloh, where the Lord of Summer lives, kindling a coal fire. And now for something lighthearted. Uh, I promise that will never happen. Um, this is called The Garden. And in some ways it, it is an evocation of um, invocation of uh, uh, something that happened in Jamaica in 2008, I think, I, if I'm remembering correctly, where um, uh, police forces went down into a community called Tivoli Gardens to extradite uh, a criminal that, um, or a, a alleged criminal that the U.S. wanted to have extradited to the States. 
And for that reason, the, the community was shut down and uh, became, in, in, a sort, in a sense, a police state within uh, Jamaica. Uh, but what the poem is really after is um, trying to get as much of the, um, the names of plants from the botanical garden in Kingston. So one of the things that the, the, um, the colonial uh, forces did when they uh, would come to places and take over, that they would uh, create gardens in cities, botanical gardens. And, um, you know, as if it wasn't enough to <laughs> settle one place, that they had to bring stuff from other plants, from other places, and create these gardens. And I think those plants themselves uh, have great significance to understanding the history of um, colonialism, uh, but also speaks uh, to the present, whatever that might mean, uh, the now or the recent past. The garden. The streetlights shed pearls that night. Stray dogs ran but did not bark at the strange shadows. The minister of all could not sleep. Mosquitoes swarmed around his net, his portrait and his pitcher and drinking glass. The flags stiffened on the embassy building but did not fall when the machine guns flared and reminded that stars were inside the decrypt towns in shanty zinc holes, staring at the fixed constellation. Another asthmatic whirl of pistons passed. The chandelier fell. The carpet sparkled. Flames burst into the lantana bushes. The stone horse whinnied by the bank's marble entrance. Three large cranes with searchlights lit the poncianas. A quiet flamboyance struck with the fever of children's laughter. Then... All at once, the cabbage palms and the bullhoof trees shut their fans. The harbor grew empty and heavy. The sea was sick and exhausted. The royal palms did not salute when the jeeps roamed up the driveway and circled the fountain. The blue maho did not bow, and the lignum vitae shed purple bugles but did not surrender. The homeless did not run, but the dead flew in a silver stream that night. Their silk hair thundered, and their heels crushed the busy nuts and ceramic roofs. The night had the scent of cut grass sprayed with poison. The night smelled of bullets. The moon did not hide. The prisoners prayed in their bunkers. The baby drank milk while its mother slept, and by the window... Its father could not part the curtains. After the hurricane. After the hurricane walks a silence, deranged, white as the white helmets of government surveyors looking into roofless shacks, assessing stunned fowls, noting inquiries into the logic of feathers, reversed like gullies still retching. They scribble facts about fallen cedars spread out like dead generals on leaf medallions. 
They draw tables to show the shore as rearrange its idea of beauty for the resort villas, miraculously not rattled by the hurricanes, call it cyclops, passage through the lives of children and pigs. The one eye that unhooked banjos from the hills, smashed them in Rio Valley. They record how it howled off to that dark parish St. Thomas, stumping drunk with wire lashes and cramps, paralyzing electric poles and coconut trees, dishing discard among neighbors, exposed, standing among their flattened, scattered lives for the first time. It passed through Aunt May's head, upsetting the furniture, left her chattering something across between a fowl and a child. They can't say how it tore down her senses, no words, packing their instruments, flies returning to genuflect at their knees, on Aunt May's face, gone soft, no words, except no fret, driving off as if they had left better promises to come. Um, like most of you, I like to vacation in Italy. Um, the first time I, I, I visited um, uh, Florence, um, just as a student, um, I was studying in America and went as a student, and just had had no money to go into the museums and so on, but just to be outside the buildings felt like it was enough. And um, so this poem begins um, with that sort of meditation, then circles back to uh, to Jamaica, and it's called Bicycle Eclog. You know, it is in 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 you know Italy. If you park an old bicycle on a wall, it suddenly becomes art. Right. So, a uh, bicycle eclogue. That red bicycle left in an alley near the Ponte Vecchio, I claim. I claim its elongated shadow ship crested on stacked crates. I claim the sour mouth Arno and the stone arch bending sunlight on a vanished medieval fairs. But mostly, I claim this two-wheel chariot vetching on the wall, its sickle fenders reaping dust and pollen off the heat-congested city coiled to a halt in traffic. And I, without enough for the great museums, am struck by the red on the weathered brick, new tires on cobble, the bronze tulip bell, smaller than Venus's nose, turned up against the river, completely itself for itself. The scar in my palm throbs, recalling a tiny stone once stuck there, after I fell off the district's iron mule, welded by the local artisan barrel mouth, 
no relation of Botticelli, the summer of my first long pants. The doctor's scissors probing my flesh didn't hurt, nor the lifeline bust open when the stone was plucked out. What I wailed for that afternoon was the anger in my mother's face when she found out I had disobeyed her simple wish to remain indoors until she returned from kneeling in the harvested cane, tearing out the charred roots from the earth after cane cutters had slashed the burnt field. It was her first day and her last, bowing so low to pull enough for my school fee. For again, the promised money didn't fall from my father's cold heaven in England. As we walked to the clinic on a rabble of hog plums, her mouth trembled in her soot frock, my palm reddened in her grip, plum scent taking us through the lane. By the time we saw the hospital's rusty gate, her fist was stained to my finger's curl, and when I unfastened my eyes from the ground to her face, gazing ahead, terribly calm, in the hail of sunlight, a yellow shawl around her head, something of shame became clear, and if I had more sense as my blood darkened to sorrel at the age of twelve or thirteen, I would have forgotten the sting and righted tighter my hold before letting her go. And now, as I raise my camera, bells charged the pigeon sky braced by the Duomo, a shell falling from the sun. I kneel, snap the cycle, rise, Hurry away. Maybe maybe we should stick with Italy. It's very pleasant there. Um, uh, Noah mentioned uh, that I have a book coming out, a book of poems coming out in in November. November is the date, you know, put it in your calendar. uh, it's not the, the, the Mariner's Progress. Uh, well, you did say it was the School of Instructions. That's the name of that book. And it's um, a book mostly uh, memorializing um, West Indian soldiers who fought in British uh, regiments during World War I. Uh, they were all volunteers. They went to fight for uh, Mother England uh, in hopes that Mother England would have recognized them as um, human beings. Um, we know how that turned out. Um, so this this poem, they, 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 the soldiers who went from Jamaica, St. Lucia, Trinidad, and so on, they weren't allowed to bear arms. They were mostly there to dig the trenches and to carry the weapons, uh, though they did briefly um, see combat in the Middle East. Um, but this this section, this is just a, a section invoking um, the experience that they underwent um, in in well in in the in in Europe, mostly in France. As we know, one of the tropes of um, well war war poetry, particularly British uh, World War One poetry, is is mud. Right, the the, the image of mud uh, shows up a lot. Um, so I wanted to 
sort of bring that trope and somewhat a cliche at this point into um, to in, into the, this atmosphere of these West Indian soldiers who haven't really had uh, their own selves recognized in um, British poetry. They shoveled the long trenches day and night, frostbitten mud, shell shock mud, dung heap mud, imperial mud, venereal mud, malaria mud, hunbait mud, mating mud, 1655 mud, white flashes of sharks, Golgotha mud, Chilblain mud, Caliban mud, Cannibal mud, Ha 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 mud, Amnesia mud, Dryptomania mud, Lice mud, Pyrexia mud, Exposure mud, Aphasia mud, no man's lands, every man's mud. And the smoking flax, mud. Dysentery, mud. Septic sore, mud. Hog pen, mud. Nephritis, mud. Constipated, mud. Fate, mud. Sunfly fever, mud. Rat, mud. Sheol mud, Erha shares mud, Og mud, Asquit mud, Parade mud, Scabies mud, Mums mud, Memra mud, Pneumonia mud, Menemenetekel aparsin mud, Civil war mud, and darkness and worms will be their dwelling place, mud. Yaws, mud. Gog, mud. Magog, mud. God, mud. Canaan the unseen, as promised, saw, mud. They shoveled the long trenches day and night. They resurrected new counter-kingdoms, by the arbitrament of the sword, mud. How much time do I have? Five minutes? Are you okay? All right. So for something very happy. Um, here's a poem in the voice of uh, Lee Scratch Perry, who... I'm sure most of you might know, one of the great architects of Jamaica music. Um, you know, through all phases, phases of Jamaica popular music, from ska right up to dancehall. But um, I'm most interested in Lee Scratch Perry's work um, in the you know, late 60s um, and into the, up to the mid-70s when this other form of reggae started to emerge called dub, um, which is a studio music really so the musicians would record um the the the, the rhythm and then the the um the, the producer scratch 
would um, mix the the sounds on the console. And what he had to do, sort of deconstruct the, the original form and make it into something new, something other. And part of doing that was to take away a lot of the, the, instrument, the instruments around the, the, um, the bass and drums. So he would remove the horns, remove the, the piano, and so on. And uh, usually uh, one of the methods is to uh, front load the, the heavy bass rhythm um, with a strong uh, drum kick. Um, and he built a studio in Kingston called the Black Ark Studio. And it's a studio with many rooms. Um, and Scratch, was a, he died last year, was a, was a very enigmatic figure, to put it lightly. Um, so he painted the studio with many, you know, just painted it in wild colors, all of the rooms were covered over with um, uh, collage. And in a way, that describes how his music worked. Uh, it was a sort of a collage music. And so the studio was very successful. It's where Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, some of the great names recorded some of their most well-known work. Uh, Scratch was a mentor of Marley. Um, but one day, all of a sudden, Scratch burnt the studio down, never explained why to anybody. Um, so this, this poem is sort of engaging with that, that history. But, so he, he called the student the Black Ark, stu, uh, uh, the Black Ark, and of course that immediately tells you what he's after, the Ark being a, a place of refuge. And when you think of that in the context of uh, Jamaican history, um, or at least how I think of it, it is a sort of space in which he was collecting the remnants of um, the survival methods of um, being Jamaican, going through all of that uh, pain and violence of history, he wanted to harbor it there, both the pain and the joy. The Ark by Scratch. The genius says, build a studio. I build a studio from ash. I make it out of peril and slum things. I alone, when blood and bullet and all cries fucking American dollar politicians start the pressure down to nothing. When the equator is confused and coke bubbles on tin foil to cemented wreath. I built it. A conga drum so hollowed through the future pyramids up long before CDs spin away rootsmen knocking down by the seaside like captives wheeling by the Keba River. The genie says, build a studio, but don't take any foul in it, just electric. So I make it. My echo chamber with shock rooms of rainbow, King Arthur's sword keep in. And one for the Maccabees alone, for covenant is bond between man and worm. Next room is Stone Age, after that iron, and one I name Freeze, for too much ice downtown in the brains of all them crossing Duke Street, holy like Parsons. And in the circuit breaker, the red switches for death. And the black switches for death. And the master switches black and red. So if US, Russia, China, Israel talk, missiles talk, I talk that switch 
I call Melchizedek. I build a closet for the waterfalls, one for the rivers, another for oceans, next for secrets. The genie says, build a studio. I built it without gopher wood. Now, consider the nest of bees in the cranium of the gong. Consider the nest of wasps in the heart of the bush doctor. Consider the nest of locusts in the gut of the black heart man. I put them there. And others that vibrate at the feast of the Passover when the collie weed is passed over the roast fish and cornbread. I upset her. I jango on the black wax. The super ape. E.T. I cleared the wave. Again, consider the burning bush in the ears of Kalanji and the burning sword in the mouth of the fireman and the burning pillars in the eyes of the gargamel. I put them there to outlast earth as I navigate on one of Saturn's rings. I mitre solid shadow setting fire to snow in my ark. I credit not the genie, but the coral rock. I, man, am stone. I am perfect. Myself is a vanishing conch shell speeding around a discotheque. At the embassy of angels, skeletons ramble to check out my creation dub. And sex is dub, stripped to the bone. And dub is the heart breaking the torso, the spring olive-beaked to be eaten up by sunlight. I think that I will end with one poem from, uh, you know, Noah makes it sound like I've, I've just been in some cave writing poems and, uh, no, it, <laughs> Um, but I, I, I have been busy and I am very grateful for the chance to read from some of these, some of these poems to you. Thank you for your attention. Um, I'll end with, uh, one of the poems from, uh, the Mariner's Progress, um, which is a series of sonnets, um, I think eight of them. And I will end with this one. Um, and implicitly, maybe explicitly, it's, it's, a, it's an elegy for um, the poem as a whole. The Mariner's Progress is a poem, uh, of an elegy for the great St. Lucian poet, Derek Walcott. I don't think uh, needs any, any introduction. Um, so, uh, to his memory. To evening air, I add blown cane, blown cane, blown cane, and stepped into the quattrocento outside the library by the pair. All is changed. Blown, I am a broad Antillian echo, lost in the marrow wings of a pelican or an albatross. Cloud remnant, tasseled low flyer 
below the radar of the wind, trade winds, traveled, not traveled, shit-blooded, a million blades choir and collapse on repeat, their absolute surgeon pledged, picked up by the potholes which I jumped to reach home, blown canes, singed from the African holocaust, Dark breaks in me, carrying your line. Lucid sunglass, seething. Uphill, mine to keep and give. Thank you. You've been listening to Berkeley Talks a Berkeley News podcast from the Office of Communications and Public Affairs that features lectures and conversations at UC Berkeley. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find all of our podcast episodes with transcripts and photos on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts. 